0: So, with that, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It's going to be on the screen behind me as well. 1 Corinthians is a letter that is written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. All right. And today we are kicking off a new sermon series uh, that will go for the next four weeks, and we are calling it Go for the Gold. All right. Anybody know what's happening this Friday? Yeah, kickoff of Olympics. All right, the opening ceremonies. Now here's the thing. Technically, "Go for Gold" is trademarked and copyrighted, and we couldn't. That was our first thing. Let's call it "Go for Gold," and then we look it up, and it's like, no, you can't call it that. And so then I had the genius idea of I said, what if we called it "Gopher Gold," like just a little rodent, and we it's just called "Go for Gold." And, That didn't fly. As you can tell, I was outvoted. (laughs) So I don't know how legal this throwing the word the in there is, but you know what? We know what's going on here. The Olympic ceremony is coming. Uh, We're excited about that. I I love the Olympics. I don't know if you do or not. Um, And and so during the Olympics here, we're just going to do a fun series uh, that kind of follows along a little bit with some of the things that we think can can line up with Olympics. Uh, But I think it's also going to be challenging. All right, like if you've ever been in athletics of any type, maybe you understand what the work is that goes into being in Olympics. And we're just going to kind of draw some parallels from Scripture as well for us. So I want us to be ready to be challenged, but also just kind of have a, have a fun time as we take a unique approach to this. So if you would, would you stand with me across the room as we read our passage for today? This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadowboxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. God, we just pray this morning, Lord, that, that this passage would speak to us in a new way. God, that you would challenge us and that we would, we would allow ourselves to be changed by your word and by what you are speaking to us this morning. God, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. All right, so who, who enjoys the Olympics? All right, anybody watch them when they're on? Yeah. All right, how, how about this? Summer Olympics versus Winter Olympics. Who is Summer Olympics? Okay. Who's Winter Olympics? Okay. And who's like I don't care. I just love the Olympics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So the Olympics, I love it. So much fun. There's some weird events uh, in the Olympics that I n- I never would watch, except for the fact that they're in the Olympics. I actually was reading through some events that have been removed from the Olympics. Um, that is interesting, I'll have to share that list one of these weeks. It was some of them, I'm like, I would like to see that sport. That one time, they they shot live doves. And that was in the 1900 Olympics in Paris, and they never did it again. Uh, so I don't know what happened there. <laughs> but somebody wasn't happy about them shooting doves. But uh, there's all sorts of just fun things. Um, I, I love that there are Olympians from Minnesota that are competing. Um, and if you didn't know this... A few years ago at the, the Winter Olympics, the the curling team was a lot of Minnesotans. Now, this year, we actually have like two of the girls on the gymnastics are from Minnesota as well, which is amazing. But if you didn't know this, Minnesota ha- has quite the curling culture. Now I don't think we know that because we don't have a curling club here. All right, but uh, we I used to live in Bemidji, and Bemidji had a curling club. And the kids in school, I think one of their gym things, they would take a bus from the school, and they'd send them over to the curling club, and they'd do that. And then we lived in Duluth, and Duluth definitely has this curling culture that is there. Um, I actually got to participate in a curling tournament up in two harbors on the North Shore, all right? I had never done it before, and as you can guess, I was terrible, all right? But I was in a tournament, and it was pretty sweet. Curling is difficult, Alright, like, if you've swept your kitchen before, it doesn't transfer. Alright, like, it's not like, I've, I've held a broom. Alright, if you've, like, thrown a rock or rolled something before, does not transfer. It is just a totally different thing. Alright, for the Summer Olympics, I have started following, uh, my favorite event now, is Team Handball. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Team Handball. It's amazing. It's actually wildly popular, in the world, uh, I would encourage you this this summer, if you're going to watch Olympics, look it up. Uh, I played it in gym. Like you basically throw a ball and you have to be outside the three-point arc. And it gets intense and a little brutal and a little bloody sometimes. But it's it's amazing. And I, I, I just, I love the Olympics. I, I love the idea of all these countries coming together and competing. Uh, there's always heartwarming stories that come out of the Olympics every time. Uh, when I watch, everything inside of me just wishes I could be there like cheering them on, or maybe even be an Olympian, all right? Uh, but there is so much work that goes into it, it is crazy. This week I was watching Hercules with my kids, all right? And, and I love this. In Hercules, there's this moment, this Disney movie, where he's this scrawny little guy, right? And he wants to be this superhero. So he starts training, and in the, the length of a three-minute song... He goes from this scrawny little guy to just rippling muscles, this amazing hero that's ready to take on the world, right? Have have we ever seen this in a movie before? Like think like Rocky, like you have that training montage where they're like out of shape or they're over the hill or something big is coming and they're not ready and all it takes is a good classic rock song and a little bit of exercise and pretty soon they can take on the world, right? How many of you guys wish getting in shape was that easy, I'm just going to turn on Eye of the Tiger, Final Countdown, and by the end of this song, I'm going to be ripped. Right? Like, I'm ready to go. And there's just this idea, like, there's so much work that goes into these things. It's crazy. All right? It's not like that. It's kind of like, you know, we would love to do all these things in our house. My wife especially would love for all these things to happen, all these updates. But it doesn't happen in a 45-minute of Joanna and Chip gains. Just doing everything, right? Like, there'll be times, can we do this? Yes, but it will take longer than 45 minutes, okay? We just need to have this understanding. The house will be ripped apart for three months, if we're lucky. All right, like, things take longer than what we sometimes think. There's so much work that goes into getting things done, uh, so much work that goes into being an Olympian and an athlete, all right? And and this idea of what it takes to be a a devoted top-tier athlete isn't new. Athletes have been around a long time. The Olympics, or something similar, started about 3,000 years ago. Alright, isn't that crazy? Uh, The first official recording of it is back in 776 B.C. 776 B.C. And some form of games continued all the way up from that time until 393 A.D. When one of the emperors actually put a stop to it. Alright, and then that lasted about 1,500 years without anything. And then in 1896, what we know as the modern Olympics started up, 1896, all right, and it has been running since then. So during the time that Jesus was around, during the time uh, of the first churches and the letters in the Bible being written, there were Olympics going on. Like, this is something that they understood. And our passage today is written to a church in the city of Corinth, and Corinth actually held its own games called the, the Isthmian Games, and it was held the year before and the year after the Olympics. The historic Olympics did every four years, but then there was like off games that were happening, smaller ones in other areas, and the city of Corinth had their own. So when we are reading this letter to the Corinthians, they understand what's happening here. So this letter that Paul writes, uh, and we read from, was written to a church that he started. He planted a church in the city of Corinth. He stayed there about a year and a half, and then he moved on. Well, Paul begins to get reports from this church that things are not going well. Right, He was there a year and a half, he tried to disciple and train people the best he could, but then things are not going well. So he writes some letters back and forth with the church, trying to teach, correct, rebuke, encourage how they should be living. So this letter, 1 Corinthians, which is actually probably the second letter that Paul wrote to Corinth, All right, Uh, this letter follows an outline where Paul will talk about an issue, a problem that is happening in the church, and then he spends uh, a chapter or two basically saying here's the problem, here's how you are living, this is what it should look like if your life aligned with the gospel. Here's another problem that you're dealing with. Here's how your life should look like if you were living the way that we are called to live. And this is how this letter goes. Everything comes back to the spreading of the gospel. So our little section comes from the, the it's in chapter 9, but chapters 8 through 10, Paul's actually discussing the eating of meat that has been sacrificed to idols. Alright, in our section... Uh, it is amazing. It's all about spreading the gospel. It's what Paul brings everything back to. Everything comes back to spreading the gospel. Right before our section is an area of, uh, of Scripture you might recognize where he says, I want to be all things to all people. All right, to the Jew, I become like a Jew. To the Gentile, I become a Gentile. To the weak, I become weak. All right, and Paul said this in other places. And then he says this line right before our passage. Yet as I try to find common ground with everyone... Doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. You get the picture of Paul being so incredibly dedicated to taking the message of Jesus Christ to those who have never heard. He is committed, he is dedicated, and devoted to carrying out this mission. Then he goes into the idea of what it looks like to be committed to something like this. And that's where he comes into the athletic metaphor that he's using. So verse 24, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. He said, if you're going to run the race, you might as well run to win. Like if you're going to be in it, you're going to put in the time. Why not give it your all? Give everything in training. Be ready. Like, Make this your best effort possible. And remember, everything he's saying here is actually pointing back to how they should be living as followers of Jesus. Right? So he's saying, if you're going to follow Jesus, go after it. Truly follow him. Be all in. Verse 25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. I I, want to quickly paint a picture of what it looks like to be a committed athlete or an Olympian today. All right? Many Olympians, they start, started training in some way at the beginning of elementary school or earlier. Like, that's, that's when they start this. So if you're in the room and you have dreams of being an Olympian, probably not. Although there are some people that just find a sport that their country's terrible at, and then they go for it. Right? It happens every single time. And they're like, I'm an Olympian! And they're just terrible. But that's fine. Maybe you can do that. But many Olympians, they start when they are so young. All right, Simone Biles started training for the Olympic gymnastics around six years old. And she was actually said to have started late compared to many other uh, gymnasts. Usually Olympians have been working on their sport for around 11 years to get to a place that they are ready to compete. There was an extensive article that talked about uh, the four years leading up to the Olympics for these elite athletes, and that they would put in 10,000 hours in those four years. All right, now sometimes a big number like that, hours versus years, doesn't make sense. Let me break it down. That means if you train every single day of those four years, no days off, no holidays, no sick days, you are training 6.8 hours a day, every single day, for four years. And if you're like, that's that's too much, and you decide to take one day off a week, all right, that means uh, that you are training, uh, let's see, you need to train eight hours a day, right around eight hours a day, six days a week. If you want a full weekend, and you just want to train five days a week, you are up to over nine and a half hours a day training on your sport. Like, this, does this put this into perspective for us? Like, this is a crazy commitment, None of this talks about the eating regimen, the sleeping regiment, the lack of a social life, the money invested in the sport, the time invested by parents or loved ones, or anything else that goes into this crazy life. This is just the one person and their time. And Paul says they do all of this, all of that work, all of that effort, Paul says they do all of that for a prize that will fade away. They would get a wreath that would be put on their head, right? Like think about Christmas time. A week later, this thing is going to burst into flames when it just sees a fire, right? Like, that's what happens with these things. They put in all this time for a wreath. And yet our prize is eternal and never fades away. How much time and effort do we put into that? As followers of Jesus, everything we do, the devotion we have to our mission and calling is for a prize that is eternal. And not just eternal for us. But when we're following what God has for us, it it becomes eternal for other people as well. And I wish I could look at the effort and dedication that is put into these Olympic sports and say that I had an equal dedication to being a follower of Jesus and taking the gospel further. But the truth is, is most days, I, I just don't. Like this idea of If we take a weekend off, am I putting nine and a half hours of just grueling, focused effort into this? It's amazing. These athletes, they eat, sleep, and breathe their sports. Everything they do surrounds the sport. Every decision they make is brought back to the sport. And will it help me be better and go further? Does that describe the way that we treat our devotion to Jesus? That every single decision, every single thing we do, we bring back and think, is this going to help the gospel go further? Is this going to help me be closer to God? Every single thing they do. And that's what Paul is describing here. Just a constant, non-stop, precision focus in our life on Jesus. So in the next two verses here, they, they give us an outline of how Paul walks this out in his faith. All right, and he kind of follows what goes on with an athlete in training. So, verse 26, he says, So I run with purpose in every step. All right, I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So, here are three things that Paul lays out for us in our walk. Following this verse right here, Paul says, So I run with purpose in every step. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing I want us to take as an action step for us today. Every step of our life should have purpose for the kingdom of God. How often do we do things without any real purpose in our life? All right, Maybe we do something just because it's the easy thing to do. I'm going to work this job because it fits my schedule. I can make the money I need. It fits into my hobbies. I want to be able to disappear at this time and go and do this, and my job works for that. All right? I already know what I'm doing, so this job is just easier for me. Or maybe we do it because um, it's what we've always done. Right? Like, I'm living in Long Prairie because I've always lived in Long Prairie. I grew up here. My parents grew up here. I'm working this job because it's what I have always done. When I hang out with people, I I hang out with the same people every time because that's what I've always done. I already know them. I already have the friendship and the relationship. And we're just kind of walking through life, making these decisions, doing these things based on the fact that I have always done this. I'm just continuing on with the status quo. Now, I'm not saying that the job you work or the people you spend time with is bad. But what Paul is saying is, what is the reason that you're doing that? What is the reason that you're working that job? Like, if you were to stop and think right now about what you do in life, what is the reason for why you do it? And Paul's trying to get us to take a step back and think about that. I run with purpose in every step. Is it because you believe that God has brought you to that job, and if he has brought you to that job, then for what purpose? Yeah, God wants your family to be provided for. So there's that purpose. But, but what else? God's love and his plans and, and purposes are too great to be boiled down to just putting food on the table? All right, how how can you have a purpose at your job that results in the growth of the kingdom of God? That's, That's the question we want to ask. The time you spend with other people, when you invite people over, when you hang out on the weekends with friends or family, what can you do to be advancing the kingdom of God? What can you do that will result in people knowing Jesus, walking in a closer relationship with him, being encouraged and challenged in how they live? That, that's what this is. So everything that you do, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the choices you make or your family makes, uh, they are done with precise focus and purpose for God. All right, I think some of us need to just stop going through the motions of life, make money, spend money, live a good life, show up at church, and we need to get on mission with what God has for us. God wants to use you in massive ways to impact this world but it starts with us realizing that everything we do matters. So we need to start living like it matters. And we need to start doing things with a purpose that is greater than us and greater than our family and greater than just some little happiness in our lives. Paul says this then. I am not just shadow boxing. All right, so this isn't really a term we use much. Shadow boxing is when a boxer sort of jumps around the ring and throwing punches in the air, but there isn't anyone else that they're boxing against. All right, like you've seen a video probably where they're, they're up there and they're, I don't know if they make those noises, but there's always that same like, like, someone just standing behind them with like something that makes sound effects. But they're up there and they're like doing this shadow boxing. They're jumping around, right? Like, do, do we know what we're talking about here? That's that's shadow boxing. They are practicing their form. They are thinking through the motions. They are building the muscle memory. And they're working on footwork. Like, all of it has a purpose, and this is good, but it isn't boxing. It's practicing. It isn't the real thing. No one wakes up and they're like, I'm going to be the best shadow boxer in the world. Right? Like, that's not the ending spot. There's something further than that. This is the equivalent of constantly talking about things. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to talk with other people about how to accurately live it out. I'm going to talk about what it would look like to tell somebody about Jesus, right? I'm going to have a Bible study and talk about how to be a good steward of money. We're going to have a life group and talk about sharing our faith, but then it never actually transfers into action, all right? At some point, you have to stop talking and thinking, and you have to do it. So our second point is this. Paul says, I'm not just shadowboxing. We can't just talk about the hypotheticals of Christianity, we need to live it out daily. And this is a spot that I think we fall into far too often, myself included. We talk about it, and we can talk about it all day long. And this is what it looks like to be a good Christian. And we can post about it on social media. I'm reading my Bible today. Listen to this awesome song. But then are we actually taking a step and walking that out, or are we just standing there, Pretending, practicing, not doing anything. Like, that should never be our goal. I'm going to be the best Christian, hypothetically. Right? Like, that's what I want to be. That's my goal in life. The best hypothetical Christian there is. And when people look at me, they're like, they must be a good Christian. But I'm not going to walk this out. Having great potential does not matter if that potential never becomes a reality. All right, it's like an athlete getting drafted, and you have all these high hopes, and then all of a sudden, they just can't make it work. They were high in the draft, and pretty soon, one, two years later, a year later, they're traded, then they're on this team, then they're sitting on the bench, and then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, whatever happened to so-and-so? Like, it's just this idea, in theory, they were great. On paper, they were great. But did they live it out? We have to be able to take what we learn, take what God is speaking to us, and put it into action in our lives. All right? Shadow boxing is great and a necessary training, but it isn't boxing. It's pretending. And if we aren't careful, we can come to a church every weekend, we can serve on a team, we can be in a life group, but at the end of the day, it's all a pretend version of Christianity if we aren't living it out and doing something with it. What did your Christian faith look like last week? Think about this past week. What did you do in your life that if you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't have done? Like, you did it specifically because I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, and I want other people to know about Jesus, so I am doing this. That's what practical Christianity looks like when we live it out. Last thing Paul says is this. I discipline my body like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. I discipline my body. If you want to live with purpose, if you want to actually get into a fight and not just theory, you have to be ready. Olympians do so much work on themselves, their body, their muscles, their breathing ability, their diet, what they eat, their sleeping schedule, all so that they can be ready to compete. For them it means when they want to go out late with friends, they stay home and sleep instead. Because there's a bigger purpose in their life. When they want to give up, they keep going. When they want to sleep in a little more, they get up. They choose the best path for them, even when it's the harder path. They aren't like the rest of the world around them, and because of that, they can do things that the rest of the world around them cannot do. So here's our third point. Being a disciple takes discipline. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to follow him, it takes discipline in your life. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to count the cost and then you pay the cost. You take up your cross daily and you follow him. You deny yourself things that your flesh wants but you know aren't good for you. You schedule your calendar a different way than the rest of the world. The rest of the world wants to take their whole weekend to themselves. As a follower of Christ, you know, you know what? I need to be around other believers. Other believers need me around them. I need to grow. I need to be challenged. I need to spend time focusing on God. Other people want to spend their money on themselves. We deny ourselves certain selfish things so that we can have other people hear the name of Jesus and call on it and be saved. It isn't easy, but it's what we're called to do. It's what we've signed on for as a follower of Jesus. Count the cost of following Jesus. Carrie, you can come up. So what areas of your Christian life do you need to be more disciplined in? Like when you think about your walk with Christ, what areas are you lacking discipline What areas do you need to deny yourself and follow Jesus more? What areas do you need to put more time in because you need more training in how to live like Jesus? Olympic athletes often devote their life to a specific sport and at best, they get a gold medal that hangs in a box. Maybe they're able to make some money in doing this. But for the most part, Olympians, that's not their living. They devote their life to this sport, and the majority of the Olympians that will will partake over the next four weeks will come home empty-handed. Like, at best, it's a gold medal that sits in a box, and yet they have this type of dedication. For 90% of them or whatever it would be, they're going to come home with nothing. All of these hours, all of this effort, all of this training, everything they've done for nothing, not even something that will perish. How much more should we be willing to devote our lives to our race that has eternal outcomes? The race that we are meant to run, not just for us, but for those around us as well. People on the other side of the world that may never, we might never meet them in this life. And yet their eternity can be changed by what we are doing right now. I wanna be dedicated, committed and devoted to something bigger than myself. And I want that for my kids too. I want that for my family as well. I want my kids to know that there is so much more than just their happiness and what they wanna do in life. All right, it, is, it is too easy nowadays to make family an idol. And I would say that sometimes in the church is one of the worst places that we do that. Like we have this idea and, and, and we need to lead our family. We need to provide for our family. We need to raise our children up, all these things. And, and, and that's amazing. But very quickly, we can branch into an area where our family and, and what we think should be for our family becomes the ultimate goal. Like we have this idea of, I want them to have a better life than I had. Okay, that's great, but what's your definition of better? Right, is that a monetary definition? Or is that a spiritual definition? That I want them to have a better life. Because when we say better, it's almost always by the world's standards. I want my kids to devote their lives to what God is calling them to do. And I want to lead the way, and I want to do it first in my life. So where do you fall? Where do you fall in this? Can we just stand across this room as we kind of close this out? I want us to think through this a little bit. In your life, do your daily decisions lack purpose? Like, think about the decisions you make in your life why are you making those decisions? The decisions that have brought you to where you are right now. And maybe you feel like your life doesn't have a purpose. Maybe you feel like, I, I don't know, I'm just kind of going through the motions. And maybe you've, you've asked the question, isn't there more to life than this? Well, I can tell you this. like, If you want your life to have purpose, it starts with your decisions having purpose. Because what gets you to where you are in life? The decisions you make. So if I'm going to make a bunch of little decisions that I think don't have a lot of consequences and don't really matter, pretty soon I'm going to find myself in the middle of a spot saying, what is my purpose in life? Because I've made a string of decisions leading me here that had zero purpose. So I'm left floundering in the middle just saying, "What? not there more than this? I want my decisions to advance the kingdom of God into places it never could go. Not in a selfish, arrogant way, but saying, God, use me. I'm a conduit of you. Use me. God wants to work through us. He shows that over and over again in Scripture. Or maybe, maybe for you today, uh, you feel like your Christian life has been about the hypotheticals. In theory, I'm a great Christian. In practice, I don't know. I mean, think about some of the things we're called to do and ask yourself, when was the last time I did that? When was the last time I shared my faith with somebody? We would all say that's important. It's a necessary part of our walk. When was the last time I did that? Or maybe you just haven't been disciplining yourself, training yourself, working hard at growing as a follower of Jesus. And you need to put in the time and the effort. You need to train. So I want to just give us a moment here and allow God to speak to us. And we'll pray and we'll close this out. But let's take a moment right now. Maybe one of those three areas specifically was resonating with you. If you've been taking notes or you have a phone or you have a paper, maybe as God begins to put things on your heart right now, you want to write those down so you don't forget that and you can spend time this week even praying over that. But let's take 60 seconds and allow God to speak to us. God, I pray as we spend time listening right now, Lord, that if we're in the room and we feel like we've never heard you speak to us before, God, that, that you would speak to us in a way that, that we would know is your voice. God, if we heard something this morning, and we aren't sure if it was you, if it was ourselves, or what it was, God, I pray that we would take a step of faith in the direction of, of what that was saying, and, and Lord, that we would just we would test that. God, we know you want to guide us, we know you want to direct us. But sometimes we sit here as a car in park and you're saying, just start rolling. Just start moving. I'm gonna guide you. God, I pray that we take what you have spoken to us, Lord, and that we would take this seriously. This is something that we'd be committed to. God, that we would find purpose in our life that we believe in. And we would just run that out. We would run that race with everything that we have, not holding back. Last thing I wanna do as we close is this. If you're here this morning and you've never had an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and say, you know what? I wanna be all in, I wanna be in this race. I feel like I'm just completely somewhere else. I've never been part of this. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond and just make a decision this morning that matters, a decision that will impact the rest of your life if you allow it, if you mean it. And I want to give you a chance right now to do that. So if that's you this morning and you're here and you're saying, I I want to live for Jesus. I want to do this. I want to live it out. I I want to be moving closer to God. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up this morning? Yep. Yep. If you have questions about that you want to talk about it more I would love to sit down and talk with you this week. Please talk to me after service. Connect with me. But for all of us in this room can we just say this prayer? Maybe you've said something like this similar before but can we just say this together this morning? Just kind of declaring that this is how we want to live our life. So can you repeat after me? Jesus thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking away my mistakes. I want to run after you with everything that I have and never turn back. Amen. Can we celebrate that for those that made that decision this morning? It's one of the best decisions we can make. I want to do this, I want to just close us in prayer and dismiss and we'll be out of here so can you just join me God I pray that this week would be the start of something new in every single one of us God that we would begin to live with purpose make decisions with purpose God that we would move from just the hypothetical realm to actually living this out and putting action to it God, and that we would put in the time and the effort to just train and to grow and to be closer to you so that we can be used by you. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.